Welcome to Property and Investing with Grant and Charlie, the place where we give you access to all the strategies, tools, and tactics to become a successful property investor. Charlie, this is going to be a deep, dark question for you. You have to respond honestly. No, is- Grant, I'm not on board for this intro. I'm not on board. <laughs> you can do the intro. I'm not on board no, for this you intro. You're in on this. Is your lovely wife, Bianca, subscribed to the newsletter? Do you know what? She actually isn't. <laughs> I checked <laughs> Uh, funnily enough, I actually, I actually subscribed to my wife and this is very topical for today's episode. So if you're sitting there and you'd like to subscribe your significant other, I guess I'm for you. Head over to propertyandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in their name and their email and hit subscribe. That'd be very appreciative and I'd be appreciative too. Let's cue the disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Property and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant and I and the Property Investing team are in no way, shape or form qualified to give you financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when comparing investment products or making investment decisions. All right, Grant, juicy juicy topic today. I'm almost nervous making this because I suspect many people out there are not going to enjoy this conversation in all honesty. Well, at least we go for the topic, not for the downloads. It's good. (laughs) You know when a property investor starts hearing like Dave Ramsey talk about not using debt, they just get really fired up. And they're like, you can't do that. And then he's like completely minted. (laughs) Or when a, a vegan hears about a carnivore, or, you know, whatever it is, and like they just get fired up. There's going to be a bit of that today. Totally. Totally. All right. So, we're going to talk about a very important and also, I think, neglected topic today, which is having your partner or spouse or significant other, whatever label you would like to put on it, on board with property investing. It's a big one. I'm like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> this is going to be a solo episode from you. <laughs> I'm willing to cover this one. No, I'm just t- just teasing. All right, so I'm going to put something out there first. Do you even think you need to have your partner on board if you are going to be a property investor? Yes, to, but it's to an extent. Like I think it's mandatory. It's I think it's non-negotiable. But I will preface this: it is like the way that I think about it is they don't need to be into it as much as I am. Right, like they don't need to be hitting up real estate, they don't need to be hitting up uh, borrowing capacities and all these things. But to an extent, they just cannot get in my way. So when I look at Hazel, I'm like, I need her bought into the idea and the outcome. But I'm like, I don't need her to be doing the thing. And that's like the minimum requirement. Because the last thing I want to do is buy so much property with so much debt without her realizing the ramifications. And there's so much to unpack in there. Well, this is the other side of it, right? Let's go straight there. When we are talking about the use of debt here particularly and the ramifications of doing property investing wrong, it's like if you don't have your partners buying and support with being – when I say being involved, I'm just going to say approving of it. They don't have to actually do anything. Exactly. Yeah. If if you don't and it doesn't go well, there's severe ramifications to that. Like you could lose a substantial amount of money and potentially uh, that means you and your partner have to work for dramatically longer amount of time yep. or their lifestyle is going to be impacted or the car they drive or the status they have. Like there's a, a whole bunch of things that could happen if property investing was to go wrong or just like it doesn't even have to be property. This could just be like financial decisions gone wrong. It's a huge one. Well, interesting. So I, I'm going to uh, – my view on this is uh, a little bit different. I, I think when I first got into property investing, what I was actually looking for from Bianca wasn't her being okay with it. It was more her validation that this isn't a terrible idea, right? So it's the voice of reason. Well, if I want to get into property and I look at it and I go, oh, look, but I'm still a little bit fearful, right? It's like I'm not yet invested in property. And I'm looking at the amount of money we're going to spend. We're going to spend, you know, our our first investment property was um, 830K. So, you know, just went out on a small deal. (laughs) And in comparison, I was like 282 or something like that. It kind of sums sums me up, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) 
I was like, if this doesn't go well, I want it to go down properly, right? I, yeah, yeah. A, I don't want to lose a little bit of money. I want to lose a lot. <laughs> fail fast, fail hard. Like, this is it. I'm in. Got to risk it to get the biscuit, Grant. <laughs> that deal ended up pretty well for me. Anyway, anyway, not financial advice. But coming back to this one here is where I see a, um, a lot, and this was me, I've only uh, more recently come to terms that this is what I was doing is when I bought that first investment property or wanted to buy the first investment property, I'm looking at this deal, I'd spoken to a buyer's agent, but what I was actually coming to Bianca for was validation. I was like, if she thinks this is a good idea as well, I'll only do it if she thinks it's a good idea. I mean, I couldn't act on my own and have my, you know, back myself. I need other people's approval to do that. And you know what's worse? I did that to you also. (laughs) So I went to yourself. I went to Bianca and it was only after I got the approval of both of you that this isn't a terrible idea that I was actually willing to act. Totally. <coughs> totally. But I don't I don't think people are different to that. I think like for myself personally, I will look to other people who have done the thing for validation. Like can is this idea possible? Is it plausible? Hold up. Hold up. Did you do that? Yes. <laughs> Totally no, 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 but you still went to Hazel, did you not? It's of like, course. No, But totally. that's my whole point is like was- we could see that other people have been successful in property and you can sit there and say, I'm going to go to other people that have done it. But isn't it funny we all come back to this partner thing? Totally. And best friend thing as well. Right, like it's Completely. not always just the partner. And that was going to be my next point. It was like <clears throat> people have made money everywhere. But for some reason, like I'll go to Hazel to make an investment decision when she hasn't done the thing and then I'll make her – recommendations and considerations and ideas part of my own to go oh okay interesting this is fair even though it's like it's like me going to hazel and asking her about a plumbing problem (laughs) everything she says is just like personal bias she doesn't actually know she's never done it before well i think this is where the conversation really needs to start is like when we talk about getting buy-in from your partner i think the um or approval, whatever you want to call it, I think there's a really key distinction of like, what are you actually looking for? Are you looking for validation? This is a good idea, so you'll actually take some action? Or is this something where you want them involved or approve of it because it's a team playing team decision? And they often get really mixed in and confused. Like I'm not going to look to Bianca to validate the idea of hiring an employee in my business. Totally. I'm like, I just don't feel she has the um, ability or knowledge to know if that's a good decision or not, as you kind of mentioned, right? Where it's like, I back myself there. But I'll go even further than that. It's only in more recent years of property investing where I back myself more heavily because I've got the runs on the board and the experience and the proof where it's like, I don't necessarily need her approval of should we do something to, like, I'm willing to back my own decisions more in this. So- to that point, I also think that she's willing to back you as well to the point of just going, well, it's, we've done it before. Like this is a proven method. We've become financially independent from doing it. Sure, like let's just go more equals understandable and we're not going to try and make a bad decision, but sometimes they don't always work out the way that we want to, but the whole idea is key. All right, so interesting way to open this up. Uh, all right, we've, we've conquered that one a little bit there, which I think is something people need to address, the whole validation versus buy-in versus everything that comes in there. You feel that it's critical to have your partner on board with the journey? I, I'm probably 50-50 on it. I think it depends on the relationship. But I would I put it as a scale. So <clears throat> they have to be supportive of the idea. They just don't need to be bought in that it's the greatest thing. It can't be the limiter. Exactly. And so for me with Hazel, like, <laughs> our conversation, I know we've brought it up before, was like I was just investing heavily in more businesses, more businesses. She sat down as like, when are you actually going to invest in the family? To which the first trigger for us was actually, well, hang on, investing is a good thing for the family. We weren't determined on property shares or anything. Like it didn't really matter. It was more like the step one for us was, do we both agree that investing outside of businesses is a good idea? Yes. The way I view that is that Hazel actually got you on board. (laughs) Then you, because we had dinner (laughs) with Hazel and the girls. I was like, ah, I have to go and do something outside of the business realm. Um, So, yeah, Hazel, similar to you, Hazel and you were the trigger. Interesting. Very interesting. Circle of influence is a a fascinating part on this because I suspect it's like 
um, like I hang or was when I was not, just to be really uh, clarifying here. When I wasn't a business owner, I was spending time with business owners Mm. and inevitably I ended up a business owner because I saw the results they were getting. I looked at the comparison to what I had in my own life and that is the thing that ultimately led to going, well, I think this is a good idea. Second to that is I know people in property. Like my parents had flipped and built many properties themselves. Um, We also, like I was in the building game, I was a plumber and had met many people that were successful uh, with property. My first boss, um, he was successful through doing his own subdivisions and things like that. So I was very biased to be around and influenced by property investors that when the time came, like no surprise, guess what my bias was? Totally. If I'd have been hanging around people who were uh, day trading, I suspect I would have potentially gone on a different path. Right? So circle of influence is a huge thing when it comes to the type of investor you are and in general where you go in life. But I almost want to look at this in a different way. Once you and Hazel had that very critical conversation of like, it's time to invest, how did you actually get Hazel on board for property? Like what was the flow in that or did she get you on board? <laughs> so, uh, And it comes back to the point that I was making, which was like, it's almost like this two-stepped approach, which was doing nothing is not an option. And so we both completely aligned to that. And then the second question was, okay, well, what do we do? And we've had a little bit of a foray in crypto, a little bit of foray in shares, a little bit of crypto, a little bit of foray into other things. And it was like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, what's going to be the best approach? Now, again, business owner, I love a challenge. Anyone who sends me a challenge, I'm in. So first went out and started talking to people that I knew, you included, started reading books, watching videos, trying to understand a little bit more. And I'm like, I think property is going to be the play. So I actually went back as the initiator to say out of these investment assets, I think property is the key because of these reasons. Right. And so I, you built up your reasons, but how did you bring that to Hazel itself? Because I suspect for many people out there that are maybe earlier on in investing and maybe haven't bought an investment property yet, or maybe they've got one or two and they want to be more aggressive and they want to buy more or scale it or do more risky things like developments or uh, I don't know, what else is risky? Crazy stuff. We'll just go with it. Uh, but the point being is, did you structure this in like, I'm gonna, we have a monthly meeting together? Like how did you actually create the space in your relationship to go through this and make that decision? Yeah, so it's a great point. At the start, it was completely unstructured. It was like as I would learn something, I would share it to her. And then all I created was this pure confusion in the mind. She's like, oh, cool, let's go all in the shares. Oh, cool, let's... Do property. We can oh, no, houses. you were that guy that was like deep in on Bitcoin and she wasn't there yet and just come across as crazy? Yeah, totally. And so I was just sharing these things I was, as I was learning. And the problem that I did was I actually just confused the hell out of it. And it was completely my fault because I'm like, I've learned this. I've learned this. I've learned this. And I'm like, well, this is not adding any value. So I went away and I did some research. And then I actually said, let's go out for coffee. And so we went to a cafe and I just said, hey, like this is what I've done. What are the questions? What do I need to do in order for you to say yay nay on one of these ideas and so i just mapped out this is what i think about property this is what i think about shares da, 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 da. and at the end of it she's like i think i could buy back into your property concept right because of everything else that she had like she loves shares more than property and i'm like cool like this is why i think property is the thing so i formal so originally butchered it <laughs> then i realized that i was butchering it went and said cool i'm gonna collate i'm gonna stack all the decks and I'm going to go have a conversation with her, answer all of her questions and I know the next question is, okay, well, if we do this, what's at risk? What do we have to do? What does it look like? And I said, just give me some time and I'll go and find that out for you now that we're both bought in on the idea of property being the thing. Then I went and did the same thing. I went and researched it, went and found buyer's agents, spoke to people, spoke to yourself, et cetera, and then played it back. And then I had another friction point, which was paying for advice. (laughs) Which, which, uh, do you know, I've always found this odd by you, right? Because you're such a you value education so much and buy so many books and courses and things, but there's a there's a resistance in the paying for advice category for you for for the duo. So for myself, I'm fine with it, right? But the thing is, like, if I pay for advice, I'm not just using my money in this scenario. So in business, it's my money. It's fine. It's no worries at all. In my personal buying books and everything, it's the amazing. ramifications don't feel as big in business, do they? Totally. Or it's like, oh, cool, we'll hire someone. Not as big a deal, right? Or even like for people that aren't having their own businesses, they might buy a car without necessarily taking the same due diligence. But it's this big purchase thing when it's like potentially spending half a million to a million dollars. 
and the repercussions of getting that wrong is a level of seriousness that comes up. Well, and then the, the the additional layer to that is the personal bias of I can just go and find something. Like I grew up here and it's always going to do well. And so like when I presented the idea of us paying for a, a buyer's agent, it was um, – it was it was met with quite a bit of resistance, not from me, from the partner. Can be a, a hard thing for people to get over as well, right? Totally. And so um, that that actually took us a little bit to get over. So what I ended up doing was like I spoke to buyers agents, brought her on the calls, and got her bought into the idea. And there's no different. Like she's paid for personal trainers before. She's done courses of new, like nutrition courses. Like she's paid experts to do the thing because she knows that just reading it out of a book is not going to work or trying to learn it yourself is the hard way. Um, but it, it was actually really tough for us to get over that hurdle to the point that we almost just didn't go into it and we just thought that we could invest better ourselves. Um, and it was just- I just to pause you right there. I think that is a massive group of people. There Huge. is so many people that hit the friction point either with partner or the education or not willing to pay for advice and it just turns into the stop and then they do nothing. Completely. Because I'm like, if I was buying, so imagine at the time I wasn't with my now wife. If it was just me, easiest money I'd ever spend. <laughs> like it was just, I wouldn't have blinked an eye. It was just like, yeah, it, it makes sense, right? Like I don't have no idea in comparison to a buyer's agent on this in this regard of buying an investment property. Like this is almost an insurance policy to me. Like oh, it's the person's done the thing. I couldn't agree more. Maybe I'll <laughs> save that for another episode. So, and so then it was, well, I don't want to go and take a bunch of money from my now wife to go and sink it in unless she's bought in on it because that's just not what good – in my opinion, that's just not what good partners do. And if you're buying a house together, you're committing her borrowing power to this as well, right? Completely. So both of our names were on uh, our first property and then we did trust and not financial advice and stuff like that later. And so it was like this big consideration. And that just took time. Like I wanted to buy quick smart. Like, Money was there, borrowing capacity was there. I'm like, let's just get the thing done. But I had to support her and walk her through and she had to come on board the other side to say, yes, I'm willing for you to use our money on this. And yes, I'm willing for us to get debt on this. And then it was game on. Then it was like, like, like within a day, it's like, bam. <laughs> I'm like, oh, before she could change her mind, like, let's just go. Um, and then the ramifications, dude, she's so bought in. She's like, why aren't we buying one now? There's an interesting effect. I'll share. We'll go into that maybe a little bit later. Actually, I'll just mention it now. Is like uh, th- I'll go through. Actually, no, I'll mention it in sequence. I'll go through me and be anchor a little bit here, and then we'll talk about once you get some wins on the board. Um, I actually experienced a little bit of resistance um, from Bianca. I did. Um, and I'll look at it and say that I find in my own relationship, and I know this is true for you as well, and I know this is true for many others, is what happens when a new idea comes into it. And this doesn't mean just like property. This could be um, moving house, having kids, changing uh, location, uh, whatever it is. Jobs, etc. Changing jobs, going into business. Someone's the instigator. Always someone is the instigator. It's very, very rare that both people came to the same conclusion at the same time. Yep. So what generally happens is one person will go, hey, I think X is a good idea. We should do this. And um, what can occur in many cases is resistance. Right? The other person isn't had that experience you have, so they don't feel the same way about it. Yep. So for myself, um, I've found in my relationship with Bianca that I'm naturally always thinking a, a few years ahead than she is. Right, people have this tendency to think in certain time frames, and I find that for myself, I'm continually thinking like two to three years down the road. I don't know why; it's just wired in now. And yeah. um, for many people, they're just kind of trying to get through their day or week. Now, there's nothing on. inherently good or bad about that, but you can see that if I'm thinking three years ahead and Bianca's thinking three weeks ahead, we might have very different opinions on things. Um, anyway, point being is that I was the instigator on this and uh, brought it to the table. And there was some resistance, there was some fear, there was some uncertainty, and there was definitely like a stop point of how do we how do we progress from here on whether we're going to do it or not. Interesting. All right. Now, do, shall I share how we got through it? We should Please just end the don't episode tell me the answer is brute force. <laughs> no. So um, I, I looked at a few things here that at the time I didn't realise what I was doing. I will say that it's only down the road that I realised the skills I was using here of influence. Yep. Um, but there was a few here where I, I, the first thing was I'm like, well, have we thought through what we want retirement to look like? Like we don't actually have a plan or anything down the road for like what's going to happen next. And if we do nothing, 
who knows what we're going to get. Yeah. So are we going to get to our 80s and be regretful that we didn't take advantage of these opportunities um, today? And I also had a bit of a silver bullet you didn't have, which is that I'd already bought a house and done well on it. And I, I had the whole, look, we bought this house five years ago and look what's happened. What if yeah. we bought two at that time? Can you yeah. see how different our financial position would be? And I'm like, what do you think is going to happen in the next 10 years? Do you think that's not going to happen again? Right. So there was already this little bit of proof in our lives for us personally, but of course we could have acknowledged other people and seen what's happened. Right. And at the time, just remember, there was plenty of reasons why property would, shouldn't be a good investment. Like there was the banking royal commission, pandemics, bank scandals, Everything. right? All, all kinds of – the world was falling apart for some other reason at this point. Like the continual reason not to do it was there. Anyway, the other side of this is that um, I, I kind of put two things in place where it's like we actually des- decided to read a book together, which was Debt Millionaire by George Antone. Great. So I said – we're both going to get educated on this. And I think this is a critical point if you do want to get your partner involved. I don't think it can just be on your influence that you get a buy-in. I think you have to create external measures either through education, books, other people that have been successful. Like you have to have proof that this is working for other people. It's not just your idea if you want a really solid buy-in. So we, we read Debt Millionaire. I'd already read it, but Bianca had uh, read it after and I read it again. And after reading that, and the body of proof we had was very easy for us to go in with the idea of we're going to try this out. Now, I also had a, a little thing I used here. I said, look, if we do this and it doesn't work and let's say we use we lose 100 grand, we're young enough where we can take a risk somewhere else. Yep. But now's the time to do these things because we're you know in our 30s where if we do this in our 60s, that's where the real damage is done. But I go, the other side of this, if this pays off – like this is a incredibly powerful pathway for us to achieve the goals we have in our life. Yeah. So was, that was the setup for myself. It was very similar. It was for us, um, we we didn't go as whole hog as you did by spending like th- almost three and a half times more than uh, I did. Grant dipped my toes in the water, Merrill. <laughs> Charlie, all in Valak. <laughs> totally. That's what they call me, dip the toe in the water. Do you know, I don't uh, actually think of you that way at all, but it just fits the narrative <laughs> of this episode. But but it's totally – but you were correct because I swing for the just, fences. Complete I was going to say, just for context, this is a guy who shut down a business to go all in on a venture-backed startup <laughs> in the tech space. I'm like, did it get more all in than that? <laughs> yes, unhinged. That is exactly what it is. Um, but it comes into the partner influence. Again, like if, if I didn't have Hazel and I was doing my time again, it would be very, very different. I'm not saying that I'm in a not a great spot. Like we're in a fantastic spot. It's just – this is what you need to consider when investing with a partner. Like you just, you can't just go a whole hog in my opinion anyway. I'm sure you can. It's just. <laughs> don't, don't, don't you well think it's interesting when we're having these conversations about, let's say, doing property investing? Like just think of the realities of going, well, if you buy a house and it doesn't work out, you can sell it. Well, that was my point to her was I'm like, well, I've invested in some businesses that haven't gone well and this is what it cost me. I'm like, I've done shares which didn't do well. This is what it cost me. I'm like. Worst case with a house, at least we can resell it. And I'm like, if it goes down, this is what it will cost us. And she's yeah, like, we can conclude what? you are the problem in that case. Right? <laughs> if all of those don't work, like, bam, you really worked <laughs> you, it out. You can just take me more. Um, but that was it. And there's there's a great framework, and I think it was Keith Cunningham, which was just the three questions of like, what's the upside, what's the downside, and can I live with the downside? Completely. And that's all it comes back to. It's just like, well, the upside is that this thing increases, the cash flow that spits out of it helps us out through retirement or through our entire lives downside is maybe it drops maybe we sell it maybe we need to do something and we lose a little bit on it maybe five percent ten percent twenty percent whatever is the worst case scenario that you want to run and i'm like can i live with that and i'm like i was in early 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 thirds i think it was 30 at the time uh no just after 30 and i'm like of course i can i'm like this is easy I can, can i, can I throw back. one thing on that do it i actually said to bianca if this doesn't work out i'll take the responsibility of recovering the loss i said i'll go earn whatever the loss is, to make it up. You will not be worse off for this. So I, I kind of went to that next measure of, uh, again, to, again. I, why did I go so hard on this? I think I just had such strong faith in it. I was certain that this was a great decision for us and I wasn't, let, I wasn't going to let Bianca's fear and uncertainty because she hadn't had the same experiences as, as me Completely. be the driver in us not achieving our goals. Completely. 
So I was I was so certain on this, just like I was certain going into business was the right move for me rather than staying in a PAYG. And now, again, for other people, those two things might be a terrible decision. Like starting a business or going into property may not be right in their personal circumstances. But again, I, I have this interesting mindset of I look at, I'll regret this stuff more heavily if we don't do it than if we do it. And I would rather dig myself out of a hole of making a bad property investment than not having a crack. And that... It's exactly the same mindset, uh, hence why business, uh, et cetera. One of the things that I found is that obviously our wives are very similar in the sense that they will support decisions and that they understand the value of investing for the future, like delayed gratification. Have you Are you aware of anybody or know anyone who sort of came up with a huge friction on their partner uh, to the point that they just did nothing or that someone else did something behind their back or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I I know some people, and I won't name them because um, well, I don't think it doesn't paint them glamorously. Completely. But um, I, I just want you to imagine you get out of bed every day, right? So you get up the first thing in the morning, right? And the first thing your partner says to you is like, "Be careful, we've got two kids and a mortgage. Don't yeah. d- don't do anything that would rupture that." Can you imagine what you would do if you got out of bed every morning and that's what you, your partner said to you? I change beds, but yes. Well, that's a different <laughs> conversation for a different day. Now, on the other hand, I want you to imagine that you wake up every morning and then your partner's there and she's got a towel and she whips you and she goes, go swing for the fence. You're playing it too safe, right? We're not going to achieve our goals if you keep sleeping in till 6 a.m. 5 (laughs) a.m. Now, just on that little moment every morning, can you see that two different individuals are built? And completely two different outcomes are driven. Yeah, so I have seen in people's um, experiences, and it's not necessarily their fault, right, but I know some, uh, let's say it's a couple where the female is particularly negative and her, her family is particularly negative, and what's happened is like anytime anything comes up is they're always finding the reasons why it's wrong. They're want, like, And you would have met negative people in your life, I'm I sure. I definitely have. Yeah, so some people are just like that, right? So, But what I don't think they're aware is that her influence on him has now made him pessimistic on the future. So, like, again, just imagine, I'm just imagining their household, and they don't say these things, but it's like if the female had watched the news that day, husband comes home from work and she's like, oh, you won't believe what's happening in X. Have you seen the cost of living? Yeah, yeah. Like she's whether she's aware of it or not is actually imprinting fear and uncertainty on him where he hasn't taken risks. Now, this person's actually really talented, but here's the thing. When I was in my 20s, right, this person was actually dramatically ahead of me in the game of wealth and stuff. Now, mostly because they were older, I will say. Yep. Now, it's like 10 years have passed. They're still in the same salary, still in the same things, have never taken the risks, even though they've had opportunity to go into business for themselves and they wanted to, but they were too fearful because they had kids. Um, and they never took on a mortgage because they were concerned about the property marketing collapsed. Now, when, when you look at that and that environment, like I did the opposite and then I would be – and not, it's not about a comparison but I guess it's kind of like recognising just the, the cost of not addressing these things and talking about it is like I would probably have 10 times the wealth they do now. It's not even close. Completely. But even like if you, if you shake that a little bit further, imagine the one person is completely driven and the other one's not. Right, like it's yeah, – and I've seen this in relationships and we've spoken about it where like you have one who's a saver and one who's a spender. And like that friction that it creates between these two individuals. One where money is status and another where money is security. It completely. Dangerous combat. I actually think at the root cause that uh, difference leads to a lot of divorce. Money problems is huge on it. Um, one One of the interesting things, I was talking to a couple who were well beyond their 50s. Um, they never invested in property, never invested outside of their superannuation, et cetera. And the one thing that I found interesting was that they had never combined incomes. And I'm like, I wonder if that is a leading indicator because it's like my money's mine and your money's yours. <clears throat> I'll say I'll say maybe. I'm not certain on this, right, because I think different things work for different relationships. And, like, just to give context, there's people out there in the world where, like, they're married, happy, have a great life, but they both have an agreement where they'll sleep with other people. And it works for them. It, 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 doesn't work for me, but it's like it works for them. And it's like, all right, cool. No, I, I, I get your point, but imagine trying to have that conversation around like where do you want to be like financially? Like obviously. Whoa, so he hits it. He hits it. 
He's not going to finish it. He's leaving me hanging. I'm, no, I'm going to get you to go in. <laughs> You've stepped on my story now. But no, but like how do you have a joint vision of where you're trying to get to if everything's separate? If my money's mine, your money's yours. And then I was like, well, hang on, wait. But together, couldn't we create something that's beneficial for all of us? And it's like, well, no, you do you and I'll do me and maybe we'll align. One of the things I find very fascinating and it's um, – I think the frame is is a really important thing. I think most people haven't communicated with their partners well enough what they actually want for their what lives. The, what does the future look like? Yeah, and maybe that's because they're uncertain themselves. Maybe that's because they're not confident or willing to share it. Whatever reason it is, is I don't think enough couples out there have been clear on the idea. Like I, I've told Bianca, it's like I, I want to retire young. Yep. That's important to me. I'm uh, I'm not willing to live in a house that uh, uh, that has a mortgage. Like my PPR is paid off. Now both of those are irrational, and for me, like that doesn't make sense for other people. They're just things I want for me, and she has her own things that she wants. Yep. But if we don't communicate with these things, how can we support each other with these things? So what happens is a lot gets left unsaid and assumed, and friction and angst and all these things get built up. Where I think a lot of uh, the root underlying cause of all of this is there's a whole missing conversation in relationships about what each uh, person wants, what they want from each other, and how are they going to get there. I find it interesting around because <clears throat> two people will typically have completely different goals. And what's the word that they always talk about in marriage? Like compromise. <laughs> it's like you always need to sort of compromise. It doesn't mean you just need to split down the middle and go, well, because if one person wants to live on the east of Sydney and the other one's fine with the west of Sydney, right? Like it's not that one's better or one's worse. Like you both need to coexist, especially when you're having kids and growing kids and all these kind of things. It's more, okay, well, how do I have my goals? You have your goals, but we need combined goals in order for us to get to where we're trying to get to. And that compromise is the second layer that I think challenges most relationships to your first point of money where it's someone's not willing to compromise. Like I want to spend the money as I earn the money because I like the, to your point, the status that comes from it and I'm not willing to compromise (laughs) or I want to live in this particular place. I'm not willing to compromise and it puts this strain and pressure on two people trying to move forwards on it. And so that point around understanding your own personal goals, but then the goals of the family unit, if you have kids or if you don't have kids and where you're trying to get to is, is key to it. Because no one wants to sit there and work until they're 70. <laughs> like I would argue that I don't think there's many people that do outside or for money. Like some people do, but it's just like the ne- the need to earn money on. I feel like there's things that are compromisable on and not though. Like kids is a really important one. You can't I'm telling you right now, as a, a parent, it's like if someone wants to have kids, you need both people in. Doesn't work if one person's in on kids and one person is not. But there's two there's two to party at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it takes two to take it. The other side of it is location. If one person wants to live in Australia and the other one wants to live in, let's say, Canada, right? There's a, a like that can't work completely. But the money one is an interesting one. To, and the reason I think so is there's abundance. You can make more money, right? It's not tied to it. So I find it so fascinating that money becomes such an interesting topic for people because uh, honestly, I think there's a lot of pessimism and uh, scarcity mindset. Like the reason why you can't invest in property and shares is maybe you don't have enough money to. Well, what if you changed your earnings? And you can do both. Yeah. One person's a spender and one's a saver. Well, how much do you need to spend to be a spender? How much do you need to save to be a saver? Well, if there's enough income where you can both have what you need for this, where's the limit? When money is scarce, I think that compromises become more challenging or unspoken and that's where that friction can come from on that topic more heavily. Can a spender and a saver invest successfully in something like property long-term? I found it really interesting. I don't, I mean, I would love to know if there was a study on this, but uh, Peter Thornhill covered this really well in his book, um, which I thought was fantastic. I loved his book um, where he said that it's like if two spenders get together, he's like, well, they'll be happy and their relationship will work, but they'll likely end up broke. Yep. Um, If two savers get together, well, that's the recipe for like financial freedom. Essentially, if two people are working together and they're both inclined to save money, and invest the difference, they can do really well because they'll complement each other. Um, But if you have one spender and one saver, that ultimately this just leads to friction in a relationship. And and I totally get it, right? So if if you, let's use a role play here. Let's pretend we're in a relationship, Grant. You're the spender, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) 
Man, I've seen the golf clubs in your garage. Trust actually, me, we better, we better reverse it, actually, now that I think about this. I'm the spender. You're the yeah, saver. good. I'm the saver. Here we go. That's reasonable. <laughs> yes. Let's dive there. Imagine that every time I go out and buy a new golf club, that what's going off for you is that you're never going to be secure. Yeah, man. Stop spending our money because I need the security. How long could you take that? And, and as I kept buying things, how long before you become bitter and twisted and leave? Walking into your garage, it would have been about two years ago. It's pretty reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, and, but that's the conflict, right? And that's where I sit there and I go, how, do, how, how does one support the other? I, like, I, I would tell you what I would do. I can't say if this is universally correct. Um, let's just say, again, we'll continue this theoretical relationship. But, you know, who, who knows where things go in the future, Grant? Who knows? Woo! There you go. Mariel's a great last name, just saying. <laughs> um, anyway, the point being is I, I think this is where it's like uh, compromise and rules do play a role. So I think so, the com- this is where it comes back to, okay, where do we want to be when we're 80 or 100? How do we propose we get there? It's like, are you thinking that, hey, we're going to save and invest our way to financial freedom? Am I thinking, well, I'm just going to work forever? I'm not worried about spending because I'm working forever, like really critical on how we're funding things. I then look at it, the, if we're going to do this, what's the way we come together to do this? And again, in the spender and saver dynamic, I'm like, well, how much do we need to be saving for your saving um, goals to be met where you feel secure? Totally. And let's just say it's $1,000 a week. And it's like, well, how much do I need to be spending where it's like my needs of today need to be met? And I go, well, you know, here. And it's like, can we agree on this and just make it so? Yeah. Like, and I think that would be okay. But it's like, if I try to imprint my values on you, so maybe I go start going extreme and start buying you shit when really you would prefer that money saved or invested or conversely, you buy more property and uh, try and build deposits and like I get to have less lifestyle today. I think that's where the ramifications really come from in this. It's again, so to uh, can they coexist? I think they can, and there's probably some out there succeeding or else. Is it more work in doing so? Absolutely. Yeah. You'd have to have a layer of management and good conversational and structure in the relationship where you can have those types of conversations. I think it also comes down to the individual um, on both sides, right, which comes back to the compromise, but also the support and – I don't know, judgment-free zone of having those really challenging conversations. Like no one wants to have a conversation where the answer is if we keep going down this path, we're both going to have to work until we're 60, 65. The only thing that we're going to rely on is superannuation, um, which hasn't had a bad rep, <laughs> hasn't had a good rep in the news recently. Um, and it's like, well, this is, this is where we're at. Most people will then ask the question of like, surely there's going to be some more. <laughs> and that is, is a confronting conversation because it just suggests that what they've been doing up until that point might not be the right approach for where they want to try and get to. Um, and so I've had some of these challenging conversations where the awareness piece of, oh, if only I did X 10 years ago or if only I did Y or didn't do Y, it would be in a completely different spot. Oh, those reg- Have you spoken to someone in their 50s or 60s with, with regrets financially? And that, but that's the shit. And so then it Shit terrifies me. Yeah, totally. But I think like even myself when I've done like bad investments in business or otherwise, um, the knee-jerk reaction is bury the head in the sand, right? Because like looking at those skeletons in the closet, it's just like I just don't want to reopen those wounds again. But the actual value is going, well, we are where we are. How do we change it moving forwards? But that unto itself is not an easy conversation to have with someone else or yourself or a, a couple, right? Like, totally. because you just don't want to have it. You want to hide that shit and just never bring it up. And that's the that's one of the complex layers that I think people need to overcome, even if they're two savers or two spenders or a saver and a spender. Like, it's just you have to overcome that. Can I go to another layer of this? What, I want to ask you a different question, right? Because I, I think universally it works better if there's good structure and communication in a home where you can have these types of conversations. And if you're not, maybe that's step one is yep. starting to have some of these deeper conversations. But I realized something we may both be taking for granted here is the idea of we've done a bit of personal development work and money psychology work. So I, I look at this in another context and say that both Bianca and I have done personal development programs and like, you know, we have goals and a vision for our life. 
So if you are going to have these structured conversations, you know, having that stuff and being clear on that makes it much easier. The other side of it is, is that we've both done work on our money psychology. And I look at that and go, if you were coming to the conversations with doing those things, in my mind, much better, stronger way where you can have a more impactful conversation. And an analogy I'll use here is like, let's say there's a management meeting at a company. If everyone on, at that company has done good management training, well, how much more productive are the conversations going to be? Yep. If we get a whole bunch of people that have no experience, no idea what they're doing and no idea where they're going, and we try and get them to have a management conversation, we'll, wouldn't expect much. So in the context of that, do you feel that doing some personal development work, even if you're the only one, right, even if your partner's not going to do it, is critical for this going well? Completely. Uh, I would suggest that knowledge is kind of key, whether it's your own personal development, I think is one layer, but then your own knowledge around the actual asset that you're going for in this example, property investment. I think that- Yeah, it's, the, it's an education layer not spoken about. Like, I mean, you can get pretty good at doing a FISO or researching an area or understanding debt. You are a developer of FISO. Well, I'm getting, I've been deep <laughs> in the development weeds in recent times, yes. Oh, jeez. Uh, I'm going to put a 1.B to it. Uh, so I agree, like personal development is key and the communication layer is key. I think that the thing that I was alluding to before as well is I think you need to, and especially in my personal situation, man, I had some tough conversations like Hazel and I just wouldn't talk to each other for like an hour or two after. Like we just really it's, needed it's to brutal. get brutal. It's so brutal and intense and at times. Totally, because you're challenging a way of thinking for both of you. Right, and it's not right or it's not wrong. Like literally, it was just time to decompress. It's just, like we just can't go further. On all right, this. one thing. Did you ever doubt yourself? Yeah, and, I'm sitting there trying. I'm telling a story to Hazel around, like, "Hey, this is what I've learned. This is my approach, and all these things." She's like, "Yeah, but everyone's got a personal bias because they've done the thing, so they lean towards this." Great point. So now I'm doubting like, everything that I've looked at, and then I'm, I'm I'm not trying to sell her, but I'm trying to explain like the education that I've had to see if she like bites on the idea and then like we we rub up against friction where I'm like, ah, this is such a good idea. She's like, no. And then, yeah. And so it, and it, sometimes it explodes into like a, Hey, like let's just put this on pause. Let's not continue it. And it's, it's the tenacity to get through it. And don't, for me, I just could not push through it the same day. Like it just, we just need to be normal relationship for a bit. Let it sink in. The new ideas create like what neurons that fire together, wire together and then go back to it. We had to ban talking about it in other environments mm. because it would uh, – like to give you an idea, let's, let's just say I'll use two examples and I'll try not to shit too much on my own relationship. My relationship's actually fantastic, Grant. I love my relationship. What? It's the best it's ever been in all honesty. But I, but I will bring up some funny stories. <laughs> I remember we went on a walk and uh, the walk was going really well until we started talking about property again. And yeah, like, no, we had these. to <laughs> – and then it's like basically for the last, and we're like a kilometer away from home. So then for the kilometer back to the house, silence. Just wouldn't even um, talk to each other. Yeah, um, I've had the same. Amazing. But I think that the layer I want to put in that is like, I just need people to understand that. Like, that's normal. Like, my wife is more bought in than ever on buying investment properties and investing for the future and all these things. It's just. Like you're, ch you're challenging personal beliefs. You're trying to grow together. Like this is not a smooth road. It's and rocky it, as hell. It keeps going. I'm still, I'm <laughs> looking at bigger things. You may have hinted from the word FISO, you know, do a quick FISO on the weekend. But uh, the point being is that there's new levels of this. You might get buy-in to buy three safe properties that are in, you know, very blue chip areas. But when you want to do a, you know, massive unit block in some rural location is like the game's changed. You may have to do this whole process again. Totally. But I will say one powerful tip that really made a difference in our lives is just create a safe space to have the hard conversations that's structured, that's intentful, that has meaning behind it in some of the things we've shared, but then make a rule where you won't do it spontaneously in other areas of your life without the permission or forward thought. Totally. Because it's easy for these friction moments to turn into a ruined dinner, a ruined weekend, a ruined walk, an argument in the car that didn't need to exist because we had uh, not set good rules and boundaries in the relationship. And I, I think that is a hugely important tip I would share from other people. You can probably hear the pain in my voice from not doing it. We have it now and it's amazing, highly encouraged.
yeah, I, that's the layer that I want to. Like it's like even perfect relationships, to your point, like Hades and I are very similar. Uh, like we still come up against it. Like it's like whether it's more debt, whether it's a change in lifestyle, like whatever it is, it's like we, we have these things. Um, so that's the one point B that I just put below what you were talking about. All right. Now I'll finish on this uh, point here is if you had your time again, how would you approach it? Okay. So the first thing I would do would be I would have the conversation around where we're trying to get to at the start. It our, The way that we started was Grant was going delinquent in business, investing too much in business. <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> Woo. To which years into our relationship, Hazel's like turned to me. He's like, what are you going to invest in the family? And, and that was a big kind of virtual slap in the face. Um, the better question is like, where are we trying to get to? In the future, like what is to your point? What does sixties look like? What does fifties look like? And are we on the trajectory to there? And is there a level of certainty? Like I would start off with that because once I got that virtual sort of slap of going, oh, maybe the path I'm taking is not right. It was more looking for a better investment vehicle for the basis of an investment vehicle, not because it aligned to an outcome. I love that. So create the end game vision first. Like when we're in our 50s, 60s, 80s, whatever it is, is like as a couple form the vision first, get buy-in on the vision, then go more tactical or even strategical into the means of how to get there. Exactly. And so we we almost did it like the other way around. It was, well, both of us knew that investing was important. It was just which vehicle, which, which investment is going to be a better way, not in our 60s, which one are we going to be happy with? And so that's the one thing that I would do differently. Uh, the second one is similar. Like I wasn't prepared enough for the challenging conversations that we were going to have. Like I did not I, – I wasn't prepared. I thought that everyone thinks the way that I think and like burn it all to the ground in like two hours and completely do a hard shift. <laughs> and But not Why everybody's not? the same. <laughs> Um, I, I think I just I wasn't prepared for that. So there were many times that I'm just like, oh fuck, this is just too hard. Like I'm done. Like it's just like you know what, there's just got to be a better idea out there. And um, and it was just through her tenacity and my tenacity that it just we we found, finally found a way to communicate, which didn't lead into sort of a, a disagreement or a dispute or a misalignment. Um, that would probably be the second thing that I would have done differently. And to add like a sub layer to that, I just wouldn't have communicated all the new ideas that I found every single time I found them because <laughs> it just created all this confusion. Confusion, right? Yeah, totally. I'm just only upon reflection of like, oh man, if only I had like collated everything together and just like, hey, like this is what I've learned, this is what I've thought. Um, and then, yeah, probably the, the final piece to it is more the educational piece. It's almost like I provide the insights that I have learned. She provides the insights that she has learned and it's almost like we come together with the same with a decision at the end, not me walking into a conversation saying, "How can I sell my wife on the idea of buying property?" That <laughs> Which, was, I must say that for me, when we both read the book together, and we had something to talk about rather than opinions, yeah, was, was uh, hugely impactful. I highly encourage that. I, I would say that just those three that you've mentioned there is like, and kind of adding a sub layer to it as well, going like, create the space where you can have the conversations. Totally. Set the vision, do the education piece with it. I just think that is the whole setup to being able to strongly succeed as a couple. And uh, I think it's a massive one there. Ma- is, absolutely massive. Do we only know this by like ruining it the first time around? <laughs> like what I would do different? Yep. That's how it works. Would I have, and do you know, I even think that would I have listened to advice on a podcast like this rather than uh, the approach I take? And I say maybe, like, I hope this is helpful to people, but I think part of being a property investor is the journey and learning a little bit through trial and error and then a little bit through education as well and uh, trying to avoid those big mistakes. But uh, I do hope for people out there that this is a thing where uh, my beliefs, and I'll just share mine, they can't put this on other people. But I was so certain this is what we needed to do. I wasn't going to let a poor mindset or fear and uncertainty stop it, mm-hmm. right? If there was a legitimate good reason why Bianca didn't want to do property, right? If she came to me and said, I'm not doing property, here's the actual reasons why I'm not doing it, I can support that. I can get behind that. But when it's just a fear and uncertainty thing because someone hasn't had the experiences I've had, I'm not going to let that be my stop. Totally. It's, you've got to bring a level of determination to 
this if you want to succeed at it. And that's not just property. That's if you want to start a business, if you want to move housing, if you want to have kids, like there's a whole bunch of stuff that exists in good communication with partners. Before I wrap it up, quick question. Do you feel that your relationship has become stronger through the experience of investing? Man, property's become like it's dangerous for me and Bianca because it's almost become a hobby. Mm. So I I have often considered the idea that it's too exciting for us now. Like we should actually stop and do index funds that are boring and we have no interest in because I think we would make uh, more strategic decisions that are unemotional where like we love tuning in and watching property podcasts together. We love exploring the different ideas in property and what we could do. We, uh, I look at it and say that it's become something we love doing together. It's become a bonding point together. It's become all these things where it's much more than investing now. It's crossed this bridge. Yep. Um, I will say that when two people are very interested in a topic though and want to learn about it, that has become a superpower in us being good at it because we want to watch the podcast. We want to read the books. We want to have the discussions where I think we are – it's like the difference in reading a book because you have to for a school test – Versus watching the latest Avengers movie because you want to see it. Yeah. Where it's like property for us is just like we're so into it, but in turn forms the education where we get great results with it as well. We've been very similar in, in the same sense. Like there, there is something beautiful around two people learning and growing something similar together. Because um, I <laughs> – same with kids, right? It's exactly the same. I feel that way about Jack as well, right? He's another hobby of ours. But totally. Um, where like the amount of conversations that I've had with people where it's like, well, what does your partner do for work? It's like, I don't know, specifically. Like it's just like, like it's very I hate difficult. that question, but we'll come back to that. Yeah, but it's very <laughs> difficult to sort of get in and get involved because it's, it's so separate where when you do these things together, like I, I've found that in my relationship it's actually become stronger because we've got this unity around like where are we trying to get to? What are we trying to do? Like it's, and it almost creates and forms this bond outside of just two people having fun together. Hugely so. And I will uh, give a shout out to Bianca on this one. She does an amazing job of managing our property portfolio and a lot of the things that I don't do, I get to do the areas I'm strong in. She's got her role within it. I think it's been an amazing thing for us. And should we give Hazel a shout out as well? She's been getting involved as well. Hazel heard me on the phone to a property manager and she's like, you're never speaking to a property manager again. <laughs> I actually don't think that's a bad thing for you, Meryl. I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, the property manager's done a lot more since I stopped talking to them. So shout out to Hazel. I'm just like, but no, she she manages everything and I get involved when I'm like, it needs to go faster. And she's like, do not do this stuff. All right, I'm going to wrap it up. Charlie, awesome episode. For everyone who's listening to this, uh, if you like the topic, but if you also have some questions around other challenges that you have faced, I know that we haven't even covered, uh, I got something for you. Ask us any question that you would like. And the best way to do that is if you head over to propertyandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email, and then click subscribe and reply to any email with your thoughts, your ideas, your opinions. More than happy to even bring some questions on in these episodes as well. Just want to say thank you for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode of Property and Investing.